Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that look like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. It's it's uh it's the day after the draft, Michael, and I feel like we had a really good draft. At least I did. Uh, I think the Jazz. Uh, well, we know that the Jazz had a lot of things going on. Uh, a lot of different. Um, we've heard rumors about Patrick Beverly and things. Ended up trading up in the draft for Donovan Mitchell. What are your thoughts about just the Jazz draft? I guess to get started off the Jazz draft in general and Donovan Mitchell. What are your thoughts on that? I think, uh, well, my thoughts were, I, I didn't think the Jazz were going to trade up. Uh, I, a lot of teams say they want to trade up. They say, hey, no, oh, of course, any team that's in the 20s is, wants to have a lotto pick. Um, but I, I didn't think that was going to be on the table. The fact that Dennis Lindsay was able to get up and, and, and get his guy um, and really that the Utah Jazz were Donovan Mitchell's very first draft workout and even then it was it was kind of a courtesy workout just for him to get the jitters out before he actually started visiting lottery teams so so that you know it was kind of this you know low risk uh things just so he can get in the groove and and turned out utah jazz fell in love with him then and the opportunity however it it arose it came available that they they can move for trey lyles and and number 24 and if you really think about that's Trey Lyles in 24, that's a non-rotation guy who's not in, who was not even a factor. So somebody who's not even taking up minutes. You're able to trade that player and a number 24 for, for, for Donovan Mitchell in a, much, in a much deeper draft. That's absolutely spectacular. Oh, absolutely. And so, I mean, it really was a deep draft. And I... It's kind of um, – I mean I thought it was an absolutely home, absolute home run. Anyone who was watching the live Facebook video, which I know there was like a, a, like seven of you that did. But what, the people that were watching, I like was just screaming because when, when the – we were kind of looking at the, the order of things and how it was falling and it was – it actually didn't look to me like – it didn't look to me like it was completely possible for it to even happen because I, I kind of wondered – uh, if maybe if it went to the 14 that that Miami would take him, but uh, when he <laughs> found out that Denver wanted Denver wanted Trey Lyles, they were the ones who called us, I guess. Uh, and we were able to move up. And the thing that's so fantastic to me about it is not the fact that Donovan Mitchell, I think, is going to be a very good player, and I think he actually has the ability to be a good player pretty quickly. To be honest, with his ability to defend and shoot, um, he seems like he's a smart guy that works hard. Um, but the fact that they didn't have to give up an asset, so they 
Dennis Lindsay still has bullets in the chamber for free agency. If he wants to go make a trade and say, hey, here's Derek Favors for Patrick Beverly or here's Rodney Hood for Patrick or something like that or Ricky Rubio. Let's say let's say uh, Minnesota wants to pick up uh, um, George Hill and and we bring over we have we have the assets to do it. It's just fantastic. Right. Plus he could. He could just say he just goes to Gordon Hayward and says, "Hey, we got a new a, a really nice player. Plus, we kept the guys that were on the fifty-five-ish win team last season. So it, it, it was just stellar. It's fantastic. And and the other thing too is this is a if you look at what Donovan Mitchell is able to bring to the table, it, this is somebody who is able to take the minutes that Shelvin Mack was playing last year, and you're able to get that much better of a player." Um, this is also when you think about all the injuries that Utah went through, this is providing really good depth. And on the defensive end, this is helping the Jazz on the perimeter side, on their perimeter defense. And I'm sure Rudy is going to love somebody who is that, that much of a, a, of a ball hawk with it, you know, a, almost a seven foot wingspan able to disrupt the lanes and you you add you know a player like that coming off the bench. I'm mean, sure he's going to come off the bench. The Jazz are a playoff team, but coming off the bench and add that to the lineup with the lineup of Joe Ingles, who also is that that type of guy who disrupts the passing lanes, and that plays right into the Utah Jazz's identity. And I think you hit it right on the nose uh, with the, the Utah Jazz didn't really have to give up much to be able to get him. So now they go into the free agency period, and with whatever turbulence happens, now they still have the contracts of Derek Favors. They have the contract of Alec Burks. They still, um, until until Boris Diaw's contract uh, becomes guaranteed, they still have that to, to to throw around to help somebody with some with some savings and to throw that unguaranteed contract out. So. Um, they they have some good pieces to be able to throw out and and I think the other thing too is in case there is a trade that is necessary with Joe Johnson that provides them with somebody who can come in and play on the wing and 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 be able to adjust for that so the Utah Jazz are in a really good place going into the offseason and and unfortunately it has to be asked how does the pick for Donovan Mitchell uh how how do you think the trade for Donovan Mitchell affects Gordon Hayward's free agency? Um, I think, well, like I said, uh, I actually don't know if it affects it all that much because the Jazz aren't going into a a, a free agency no negotiation with Gordon and saying, um, "Yeah, so sorry, we had to give up Rodney Hood, but we got this really nice young new prospect that we think is going to be really good." So I don't think it affects it all that much. In that they they honestly I mean honestly I just think it's just off the charts good with the getting him for just Trey, Trey Lyles who's not playing and a pick but now in the way that I think it affects it is that like we said the the Jazz have so many assets they're going to be able to make a trade they have to make a trade Dennis Lindsay has said on the record he's trying to trade for a point guard so mm-hmm. I think if I'm a Jazz fan right now I would be uh, just checking your Twitter feeds, getting on SLC Dunk to see what we have to to break or to just report with you guys. Just Dennis Lindsay's going to do something in the next few weeks, and that to me is what's going to affect Gordon more. The other thing I think it affects Gordon is maybe it doesn't really affect Gordon, but 
it, worst case scenario, we've already got a really nice piece if Gordon leaves that we can start building with. Right. So if Gordon le- if we if Gordon leaves, you know that really really sucks and that really kind of puts us back. But I feel like Donovan Mitchell is just a really nice piece that you can start off with. You've got you're already started basically. Yeah, I think uh, Donovan Mitchell. What's nice about him is, and the way the Utah Jazz have have uh, built the last last three years, um, starting with the Dante, starting really with Rudy Gobert. Um, and Dennis Lindsay has, uh, he inherited a team that was young, but w- by the time he started the, the rebuild process, the unfortunate thing when he started the rebuild process, the Jazz hadn't really fully committed to the rebuild process. So they had these young assets in Cantor Favors and, and Gordon and Burks, but then there was a couple years that there was a gap, and then they then they started again with Dante Exum, you know, well, Trey Burke, Rudy Gobert, Rodney Hood, Dante Exum. So they've been kind of juggling these two cores where where their players' ages are, which isn't necessarily a bad thing when because you want a good mix so you're not getting all the contracts hitting each other at the same time. But Right now, if Gordon Hayward was to leave, this this deal has shades to me of the Victor Oladipo trade. Not necessarily that um, they're trying to bring in a piece to compete. Like, that's what the Oklahoma City was trying to do. But at the same time, they're trying to look at their team and say, hey, if uh, we're, we need to get better in this aspect, but does this also help us in this plan B scenario where we don't have Kevin Durant or in Utah Jazz's scenario, don't have Gordon Hayward? Because now Donovan Mitchell is able to slot in right next to Dante Exum. And if Gordon Hayward leaves, you know, the Utah Jazz are like, okay, well, maybe we're not getting that veteran point guard. We're going all in on this team around Rodney Hood, Donovan Mitchell, Dante Exum, Rudy Gobert, and then whatever they decide to do at that four position with Joe Johnson and Derek Favors. And that's still a team that can compete for that that eight seed of the in the playoffs and the Utah Jazz are still in the same spot of a team on the rise, which is a, a spectacular thing that Dennis Lindsay has done. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's it's a tough spot though because he's got he's got like what one one week left of cap space that he can use to possibly find a deal that you know if they can use their cap space in some way. It's really tough that they don't have free agency before the draft. It's really because now it makes these next two weeks just absolutely vital and if they aren't able to use that it's not the end of the world but uh it would be nice if they could get something done to use that cap space but every day that goes by <laughs> it's one yeah, day that, closer and that's a big thing with the free if free agency was before the draft the jazz would already know going into this draft whether gordon hayward was a jazz was part of the jazz roster or not and then that would insanely dictate like, can you imagine if Gordon Hayward said no? All of a sudden, you go into the draft and you're like, okay, well, we're 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 dumping contracts. We're moving we're moving to this youth movement. That that change that, but now, but because free agency is after, you have teams that are on the fence, like don't want to make a move because it could hurt them. Because, I mean, I I see where the Utah Jazz are. They don't want to make a big move. Like, for example, there was the uh, there's. There was Lou Williams and Ryan Anderson and Patrick Beverly that were available, and then the Utah Jazz were linked to Patrick Patrick Beverly. At the same time, the Jazz would like to go after Patrick Beverly, but on the other hand, if 
they go after Patrick Beverly and Gordon Hayward's gone, well, all of a sudden you have a guy competing against the guys you want to develop rather than exactly. compete. And so it, it really hurts you. So all of a sudden you've traded for this guy and you can't trade him to another team until December. And so now you're having to put, you know, put two, you know, two people uh, and their agency and pit them against each other for the first half of the season. One guy being Patrick Beverly, who's wanting to get minutes so he can, you know, get another contract and prove himself. And then you have another guy, possibly Dante Exum, who's just trying to get get to the floor. So, oh yeah, that's why. When I almost wonder if they do wait till just maybe they just decide. You know what? We weren't able to get we we got everything we could. We got Donovan Mitchell um, for Trey Lyles in our pick. Uh, maybe they're just at this point. We just it just seems logical to me to maybe you just have to wait. Maybe there's not a lot you can do, mm-hmm. and you just wait till you find out what Gordon says. Because you can go in and say, "Hey, the Jazz, I'm sure have some deals set up, and maybe they have some things with Minnesota with Rubio. Maybe they know something about where George Hill is going to go. Maybe George Hill ends up coming back. Maybe the Jazz decide, hey, um, if it means that if Gordon comes to us on July 1st and says, I want you to sign George Hill and I don't care what it costs, then maybe they do that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I almost wonder if it is worth just waiting till they talk to Gordon and find out and say, this is what we have. These are the deals we have. Uh, yeah, they might have a trade in principle similar to the rumored one with Boston that Boston has that, you know, said if they, hey, if we get Gordon Hayward, then we'll go out, we're going to make that trade, to, you know, for Paul George. It, you know, there's a good chance. I, I I would be blown away if the Utah Jazz didn't have something similar with Gordon Hayward, where they say, "Hey, if you sign here, here's a here's a deal that we have contingent. Um, if you if you sign here with X team for X point guard, so well, and and I know we didn't quite plan on it, but there's a few free agents that I think would be interesting. I mean, if Gordon Hayward leaves, uh, the idea of bringing on someone like to me, someone like an Otto Porter is really interesting because he kind of he kind of fits the timeline really well. Mm-hmm. It's he's not he's not you know Joe Johnson or someone like that who's kind of at the end of their career. He's someone kind of right at the beginning of their possible prime, and you bring him in and you can play him with uh, Dante, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rodney, whoever's left on the team basically, and Rudy Gobert, and that's actually a team that wins some games honestly yeah. with that type of shooting. And, that's, and a, that's a fun team. It, that's a fun team. And, and the thing is, with Rudy Gobert and how good defensively he is, and elite defensively, they're going to be a team that is going to be above 500 and in the mix at the end of April. Now, whether that means they're the ninth seed, you know, like a half a game, a game out, or they're, they're sneaking their way in, that's a team that is going to uh, be competing. It's also going to throw Quinn back into the develop, you know, the developmental role again. Um, last year, it, it, there was a lot of talk about how Quinn was going from being the development coach to okay, can you be a winning coach? Can you uh, that that role switch of of being able to uh, juggle all these all these egos of Borsiel, Joe Johnson, Gordon Hayward. You know, Big George Hill, uh, veterans, and he did. And he, I'd say there were some, there were growing pains, but I think he did a really great job. I, I, think, I agree. I mean, I, I think Quinn with all, with all the Quinn is. Oh, go a, ahead. I think Quinn is a better development coach, though. I think he is 
because he just he sees the details when he's put into that role he might he might not like it i mean that most coaches would like to have a player who knows what they're doing but <laughs> yeah. he's he's uh, he's absolutely fantastic at that and considering the pieces and the young pieces it would be it'd be intriguing though i would love to be able to see the utah jazz get gordon hayward back and go for that number 2 seed in, in the west Oh, absolutely. Gordon Hayward is definitely number one. Um, I actually, lately I've been thinking about it. Yeah, you have those times where you think about these things over and over again. And, and like today I was just thinking about it. I wonder if, if Gordon Hayward just gets tired of thinking about it too. I wonder if he's just, you know what? I've got a good situation here. I don't have to move. Moving sucks and, and change the scenery. But you never know. Gordon mm-hmm. could want to leave as well. I, I think it, I think if I was in his situation, I would enjoy the process process of getting wined and dined by a lot of teams. I think I, I, I there's there's nothing better than feeling like you're appreciated and then appreciated from outside your own company. And so to be appreciated from outside your organization and for people to say, "Hey, these are the big things that we have planned for you. These are this." Just putting putting my taking off my fan hat and just thinking as a person. That's just a really cool thing. I agree. It it is nice, uh, you know. He's in a spot that not a lot of players get to be in, and I don't think we ever thought that Gordon Hayward would be this sought after. I mean, the last time Gordon Hayward was in this situation, it was a completely different thing. And people people want to say that the Jazz maybe kind of screwed the pooch last time with not giving him the max, but if we remember last time Gordon Hayward, he had like two offers, and it was from the two worst teams in the league. They were the bot like Brooklyn at the time because it was right before. Uh, LeBron James went back to yeah he got he to got Cleveland from, he was he was he went to Cleveland he went to Cleveland it was Cleveland and it was it was Kyrie Irving in like his second season who mm-hmm. and they were they were awful that was pre Kevin Love pre LeBron James uh, and then he went to Charlotte who I think were the Bobcats at the time um, so maybe know, they do were you the think whole... he's kicking himself because he didn't sign in Cleveland and then the next year like. <laughs> I think about that sometimes because, because that's what if, like an interesting thing. Like, because I mean, you could have like, and think about that team. That would have been Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, LeBron James, and probably Kevin Love probably too. Kevin because Love. don't they have the number one and they trade? Yeah, uh, that would have been. I insane. think about that sometimes. That would have been, <laughs> been the super team that we, you know, before the Warriors. Basically, I know that would have been crazy. But hey, thank goodness that Dan Gilbert's inept. <laughs> Comic Sans, Dan Gilbert. I uh, yeah, I think about that sometimes because honestly, and and I guess Gordon just did. Gordon, I don't know. That was such a weird situation. I think people look back on that and think, oh, the Jazz should have really just. The Jazz planned on maxing him no matter what. Well, and they, it's similar to the Joe Ingles situation, just not as publicized. They uh, like they own Joe Ingles' rights. They they've probably said this is how much we'll pay you now if you can find someone who pays you more. Awesome, like it's a negotiation. Like th- like when players are like, well, it's just a business. This is this point where it's just like, look, we as we as an organization are not going to just throw money out, if, and we're not going to overpay a player if that's not what their value is. Like that's just the plain and simple truth. Every company does that. And for some reason, when it gets to sports, you're like, they don't appreciate my player. They do. They really appreciate the player. If they didn't, they wouldn't be paying them millions of dollars. But at the end of the day, the end of the day, like, they're going to allow them. And, and, and if you can 
like sometimes teams are in a bidding war against themselves. Like for example, when Gordon Hayward hits the market this year, the Utah Jazz are going to be in a bidding war against themselves because they know they can pay him the most. And unfortunately, to beat everyone else, they have to pay him the most. So they're in a bidding war against themselves. But when you have a restricted free agent, oh, by all means, you can literally let them see what the market says they're worth and then match it and take them back. That's- and that, that well, that's why Joe Ingles is going to be on the Jazz next season because teams are going to know that you know the Jazz want this player back. The Jazz know kind of what he's going to be. I don't think there's a lot of teams that want to throw like $18 million at Joe Ingles no. to try to pry him away. I could see another team throwing 12 to 14 maybe, and maybe the Jazz bite the bullet on that. It's going to be interesting nonetheless, but I think I don't think there's a lot of teams that really want to try to outbid on Joe Ingles. No, and, and, and the other thing too is, it, say, bringing it back to Gordon Hayward, say Gordon Hayward doesn't, doesn't come back, and, and so the Joe Ingles fit isn't as nice as it, as it was when he, Gordon Hayward was here. That's still a really good contract. Like I still think he'll be back at a good contract where the Jazz will be able to trade that and will have a lot of value for a, for oh, yeah. a good three and D player from you know with a, that a compet a team a playoff team that's trying to get back in is going to going oh to yeah he's grab that. he's a fantastic whether Gordon stays or leaves he's a nice transition player like piece between mm-hmm. different let's see so. Uh, any more thoughts on Donovan Mitchell, or do you want to talk about Tony Bradley Let's a little bit? Let's talk about Tony Bradley. Oh, my. All right, so what, what are your thoughts first? I am really excited. He's, he's – so I am an expert on Tony Bradley, and I say that because I watched all eight minutes of his strength video from Draft Express. So I was going to say, that comes a surprise. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've done a lot. Um, uh, first of all, well, he, I've never seen him miss a shot. So – the fact that the Utah Jazz selected somebody who hits 100% of his shots is – I don't know how he slipped to 20 to 28. Well, um, if you never watch a weakness video, you never see the missed shots. So He's, 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 he's amazing. He's, he's fantastic. Uh, but but on, a, on a serious note, he's really intriguing potential-wise. And there's going to be comparisons to Rudy Gobert just because of his, his, just his physical tools that he's going to have. Which is unfair, by the way. Which is really unfair. That's you can't can't say that. Um, but what's really intriguing about Tony Bradley is, so he has those physical tools. I he's he's going to be a development project. Uh, I once again, the Utah Jazz are really good uh, bringing these these guys up. I, it's going to be interesting because it looks like. When the Jazz drafted, and, and he's going to get compared to Trey Lyles, not in the fact that he's a, you know, he, he, he was going to be a stretch four, but he's going to get compared to Trey Lyles because Trey Lyles had a good, a, a good rookie season. Like it, there were flashes of, of Trey Lyles where you're like, wow, this guy, this guy could be an, an offensive monster. And then he came in his second season and just took like 10 steps back. And so the the thing with that people are going to be watching with Tony Bradley is is this guy a hard worker in the vein of of Rudy Gobert? Is he a guy who, even though he doesn't have the tools, is he going to come in and work and work and work? And the great thing that uh, Tony Bradley is going to face every day in practice is 
the hardest worker on the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert. And a guy and a guy who has a motor like none other. So that's going to be great for Tony Bradley. Um, and he and and probably if he would have come back to uh, gone back to North Carolina, he probably would have been a higher you know a higher pick. Um, he just didn't get the time that he, that he wanted. He was in, uh, and so I think this will be a, a really solid, solid, solid pick for the Utah Jazz. Well, the Jazz obviously like them, and the Jazz have shown that more often than not, they're good talent evaluators. And they are good at kind of seeing – I like – I mean I've watched the Draft Express stuff and I like what I see. Mostly what I like is just the size is there. The the wingspan is there. He's got the tools to succeed. Um, one of the things I were, learned with Trey Burke is sometimes the tools just aren't quite there. And if if you've got the tools and, and the Jazz can bring him in and we know that Quinn Snyder is a good development coach – and and I think one thing that Quinn will do that, that will be really nice for this guy is being a backup center in the NBA is not going to be the hardest thing for him to figure out. It's going to be 12 minutes a game. I don't think Quinn's going to really put him in situations he's not going to be able to succeed. He's going to just have to rebound. Um, he's going to need to uh, block shots as best he can. If he, I, I think Quinn will do a good job of just simplifying things for him. And if he only plays 12 to 18 minutes, that's great. Cause I think those are be 12 to 18 minutes where you get just a big body from, and what I like from what I've seen, what a little I've seen and what draft express tells me is that he's a hard worker that when he goes in and he plays hard. Yeah. So if, if he can come in and he can translate like the hard work on the court with the hard work in practice with, Hopefully he eats right, maybe gets his body a little fitter, things like that. Um, I think he could be really solid. I don't think he's going to be Rodi Gobert. No, but I, I think I think that when when a lot of people say he he will spell Rudy Gobert, and what that means, and then people are like, that doesn't mean he's going to be the next Rudy Gobert. What that means is he can be a Rudy Gobert light for twelve minutes, ten to twelve minutes. That's all the Utah all the Utah Jazz need from him. They just need, and the the hardest thing that Utah was going through this last season because of all the injuries and because of their personnel, they didn't really have a true backup center. They they used Boris Diaw a lot as that backup center, like um, mm-hmm. in games, and they used Jeff Withy or they moved Derek Favors down, and so, but uh, I, otherwise they were using a third string a third string center and Jeff Withy, who was the best fit last year for that I would say. But he, but he could get exploited a lot. Mm-hmm. And then you had Boris Diaw, who is extremely undersized, and he's not going to protect the rim. But he, you know, adds you a wrinkle on offense. But the Jazz got lit up on defense when he was in there as as a backup center. Then you had Derek yes. Favors, who just took a punishment, and he just wasn't. He, he's not a backup center. He, and he's not a he's not a center. He's just not. And so. And so for, for the Utah Jazz now, so every single time Rudy Gobert went out, their, defense, their defensive scheme completely had to change. It completely had to shift. It wasn't like funneling into Rudy Gobert anymore. What's going to, what, what Bradley's going to allow the Utah Jazz to do is to still keep the defensive scheme. So that's going to keep things simpler. Um, they're not going to have to adjust. And it's still going to cause cause the opposing team issues. So that should make the Utah Jazz's defense much more crisp once Rudy Gobert leaves. Yeah, he's he's just a nice fit. And 
the Jazz traded up for him. They, I, I, I think we saw online that they had heard that the Spurs had wanted him as well. So basically, if the Jazz wanted him and they knew they liked him, they had to move up. Otherwise, he was going to be taken. So I like him. I like him because I know that Dennis Lindsay has done pretty well picking bigs. So he's done for, really well in the twenties. Like oh yeah, yeah. He's has Rudy Gobert, Rodney Hood, and now we have Tony Bradley. And so he's he's really great at finding these. Uh, and that's been a that's been a, a jazz thing for since since we can remember. Is there? Uh, they're really great at finding value in in the late lottery. Now, if they could have that kind of ability in the lottery, that would be even better. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but in in the in the the late end of of the first round, they're really great at finding uh, great talent. So oh yeah, they do their homework. That's for sure. Uh, the other thing that happened on draft night. Um, Kind of affects the Jazz a little bit uh, is Jimmy Butler is traded to Minnesota. And uh, the first thing I thought is just Danny Ainge struck out again with Jimmy Butler. I don't know how many times I've heard Jimmy Butler's going to to Boston to the point of just driving me nuts. Like if it was going to happen, it was going to happen a long time ago and Danny Ainge couldn't pull it off. Uh, So Jimmy Butler goes to Minnesota. They're going to be a better team. The first thing I thought was – Ricky Rubio is probably not available right now. But then I think – haven't we also seen kind of rumors that maybe Paul George is a possibility uh, with Minnesota? Yeah, like uh, – not Paul George. You mean George Hill? Or George Hill, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so George Hill's a possibility there. That would probably fit where they're – what they're trying to do because with, with Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins, um, you don't have a – you have – Slightly above average three point shooting, but you don't have lights out three point shooting, and 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 so what I what I look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, a they're going to be a lot more competitive, um, but but you can't your your spacing on the floor can't be provided by your center, like one hundred percent of the time, like yeah, because if 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 Anthony Towns gets the ball in the paint or is trying to drive the, the easiest way to shut down the, the wolves right now is just pack the paint and just like let Anthony town shoot threes on you. That's okay. Like let him get 40 and then shut down the paint on Butler and, and Wiggins. So mm-hmm. I, that's why I, I wouldn't be surprised if George Hill was really, uh, really courted up there because he would be, he would allow them to space the floor versus Rubio who, I mean, he's he, he had an above average, well, above average for him year at shooting the three in Minnesota last year. Which, but if you look at his career, that's an anomaly, not the not the trend. So he he would be available for 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 the Utah Jazz, um, but then the Utah Jazz might find themselves in that precarious situation where oh, yeah. they have. That that's what opened up the floor so much for the Utah Jazz is they had a point guard who could knock it down, um, and but at the same time the Utah Jazz have a limited amount of cap space uh, to use on that point guard position, and they're going to be at a point where beggars can't be choosers. It's it's hard because Minnesota has Jimmy Butler, and then their two other stars are on cheap contracts. Yeah. So so. 
it it yeah the more i think about it the more i think that rubio very well might be just available for anyone who wants to go after him i don't i'm not an expert on minnesota's cap i'm not even an expert on our own cap <laughs> but i know less about this we're spending a lot of money <laughs> yeah they're spending a lot of money percentages and numbers and uh the one thing i liked about the jimmy butler trade too though uh, it, it was just one less reason for Gordon Hayward to go to Boston because Jimmy Butler's not on the Boston Celtics. Um, and so the other one that didn't – so two things kind of went badly for Boston. Uh, they didn't get – actually, three things went bad for Boston. So they didn't get uh, they didn't get Josh Jackson because he didn't want to work with Danny Ainge. Mm-hmm. Uh Danny Ainge had to take a red-eye flight, apparently, to, to L.A. and then had to fly back the next day because <laughs> Josh Jackson said, you know what? Nah. So that was an L that, that Danny Ainge took. But then uh, struck out on Jimmy Butler was the other thing. So that's not a trade – that's not like a selling point that they can bring to Gordon Hayward. Um, and I think they str- – I don't know I don't know if we heard anything online. I didn't see. But I think they struck out on Chris Stapp's Porzingis. So – it was kind of rumored out there that Porzingis was – and maybe he wasn't available at all. Maybe it was just media hype. But apparently something was on the table with Phoenix along the lines of Devin Booker and their number four pick or something like that, which makes me think that if that was the if that was the asking price for Porzingis, then maybe it was Jalen Brown and the number three for, for Chris Stapps Porzingis, which actually to me is insane if that was offered to Boston and they didn't take that. Because right. It, it, you, like, to be able to get a guy on his rookie contract and then to be able to know that you're going to have him for so many years and it blows me away. I what I'm what I'm what I'm shocked about with with the whole Boston Celtics thing is like Danny Ainge is the guy at the poker table who's who's at 19 and still is still hitting, and he, I mean at the blackjack table. Sorry, folks. Oh yeah. Well, if he's at the poker table, he's always bluffing, and oh yeah, it's good to call his bluffs. Yeah, yeah. Just call him out, and he's he's like he's now he's left with a a lot of draft picks. And I look at Boston, and a lot of people are like, "Wow, they're building a contender, and they're getting all these assets." And I want to I I want to point you to the Tyrone Corbin, Paul Millsap, and Al Jefferson team. That where the Jazz tried to do both, and I'm going to tell you right now, it comes at the expense of your young players. It always does. You might have a gem here and th- here or there that's able to to uh, go out, but the unfortunate thing is those young players they're going to be they're going to be slotted into roles, and so they're only going to do those things, and so they're not really being developed for their full potential. They're being developed for what fits inside that team at that time, and yeah. and so. You can't do both. You can't. It, it just it, there hasn't been a team that's done it yet. And may, maybe maybe Ainge has found the secret sauce, but I I don't see them now. They have Jalen Brown, and now they have have Tatum, and I don't see like are they going to be on the floor at the same time now? Is like what? How's that even going to work? I, it's just I, and so if I'm if if I'm Gordon Hayward. Um, and just, we're, we're going to talk about Gordon Hayward again. If I'm Gordon Hayward, um, it is like it's a little important. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I would go over there right now. And if I'm the Utah, if I'm the Utah Jazz, like I know that Boston might not have the most attractive option, and so 
if they really want Hayward, they're going to have to pay him. If they want to pay him the money that Utah has, you know, Utah can. They're going to have to do a sign trade, and Utah can be like, "I we want one of them, and one of their one of their high draft picks." And most likely Tatum be like, "Okay, well, cool. Tatum's coming back. Sorry, you want to pay him that amount? If not, then Gordon Hayward's going to be with us because he can sign for that money." So. <sighs> It's it's I and I gotta honestly it's almost laughable to me the this this rumor out there about Paul George's deal is waiting to happen. We just need to see if Gordon Hayward signs with us. I oh, mean, geez. baby, come back, is... come back. I've changed. I'm gonna I'm, this time. I'm really gonna I'm really gonna trade. I promise. I promise. <laughs> this time, baby, this is this ain't me. This ain't me. I you know I'm a different you... man. You failed on Jimmy Butler, Danny Ainge. You failed on Chris Epps, Porzingis. Uh, third time's the charm, and like it's just so Danny, silly. Danny Ainge is like on Gordon Hayward's Facebook right after he breaks up with his girl and being like, you know, you just need to have a nice guy like me. Like, <laughs> really, he is—he's trying to get in on Gordon Hayward's My, MySpace Five, is what he's trying to do right exactly, now, and he's exactly. just not getting I'm gonna there. Be, yeah, I'm gonna—I'm gonna be that guy. Yeah, so I don't, I don't understand. Like, but the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Northwest Division, is just going to be. I don't think there's going. Well, if Gordon Hayward returns to Utah Jazz, I think there's a chance that the Jazz compete for number two. But if Gordon Hayward does not come back from, uh, come back to the Utah Jazz, that Northwest Division is just going to be a slog, and every team, every team in the Northwest Division, is going to be in it. Uh, in it for the Northwest Division, uh, be the division champ. I mean, you got Portland with, and 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 that would leave everybody in the same boat with about you know two borderline all stars. Oh yeah, and oh well, Timberwolves. That's the thing. How much? And this is maybe this is a loaded question, but how much better are the Timberwolves with Jimmy Butler uh, on their team now? I think it kind of depends on how. Does Ricky Rubio is he still a point guard? Yeah, I think it depends on their point guard because right now, if they don't have a point guard who can who can space the floor, I think they mm-hmm. have a very big flaw in being in in how you defend them, and so yeah. they'll be a nightmare in transition, and 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 put up some insane highlights. But if the way Utah plays and slows it down and makes it a slog, that I think Utah is their is their uh, poison right now. Whereas before, because they had Levine who could, you know, who, who could shoot it, you know, that they were rough uh, to play. Oh yeah. Um, and then you have, and then you have Portland with, with Lillard and McCollum who can light it up at any time. You, you still have OKC with, with Westbrook and, and, and then you got Denver, uh, Denver with a, a young team and Trey Lyles. Uh, but oh. yeah, <laughs> Ooh. But, yeah. I mean, if he ever figures out where his three point shot went, he needs to figure out where the treadmills and at where his, and where his, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And where his defense, um, and, and his give a damn meter, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 it's going to be a fun division to watch. If Gordon Hayward stays, I think we still win the division because I think we are we're be- So I'm just looking at it right now. Fifty-one and thirty-one with the Jazz. Uh, really, we 
lost out on four or five wins last season. Maybe more. Some people say even a 60-win team. I think pro 55-56 is probably where we would have been. Uh, but the Timberwolves are 31-51. and 51. I think I think Jimmy Butler definitely puts them up to 40-plus wins. I, yeah, However I more they go. I would say they're a 40. I, don't, I wouldn't say they're a 51 team, but I would say they're like going to be – well, they could be close. They could be like Utah last year where they just eke it out and get to 50-51. But they're yeah. they're going to be in that range. They're they're definitely going to be in that range. Yeah, they're going to be really good. The Nuggets, I don't think. Man, the Nuggets were forty and forty two. Yeah, that's, they had a surge at the end of the year. They had a surge, and so that's and so that's what I'm wondering with the with the Nuggets was was their surge the result of finally putting it together for a little bit, just playing better ball and people not not really doing too hot with them. And then, uh, and then, or was it just, or, or was it actual real improvement? I think it was improvement with people mm-hmm. not really paying, giving them the full heed that they should. Similar to the yeah. Utah's, Utah's ascent a couple years back when Rudy Gobert put it, you know, start, got inserted into the lineup, Gordon Hayward is playing ball, and he played really great, but I think that was a combination of, really improved defensive play and people just being like, eh, it's just the Jazz are terrible. Well, and they had a great offense. I think part of it was, too, I think they were like a top-five offense to end the season. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's just what their calling card is going to be. Maybe that's why they bring in Trey Lyles, because they think he can play with Jokic, and their defense will be a- atrocious, but they're gonna get their buckets. offense could... Exactly. And you know what? I think we really lucked out because they have like five shooting guards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they wanted another one with Donovan Mitchell, so we kind of lucked out. Uh, unless we have do you, anyone else, anything else about the Northwest Division you want to talk about? No, I think I, I think that's good. Let's let's talk about let's talk about summer league. So it was announced today that Dante Exum is going to ju- uh, join the Utah Jazz summer league, and this will be a, his fourth season. So a bit of humble pie. Well, let's talk about this this uh, championship roster. That the Utah Jazz are bringing to summer. Uh, the Utah well, Jazz summer uh, the, oh, it's going to be a fun team to watch. I mean, I mean, me personally, I am Dante's biggest fan. Uh, being able to go watch Dante Exum is just going to be fun. Um, he has a lot of pressure, to be honest. Uh, he, uh, you know, he Dante Exum summer league. He's only had two summer leagues, uh, and really, he had the he had his first summer league his rookie season. Then he played one game of summer league the next year before he turned an and ankle, he, and he lit up. Mark, uh, he lit up smart. He, I know like, who is a legitimately good defender. Yeah, and so and and then and then the Australian thing happened. So yeah, it's it's. It, I feel bad for for Exum and the fact that like I'm excited to be able to watch him because uh, I'll, I'll be there on the third. I made sure to get there on the first days in case they shut him down after one game, but. Uh, I'm excited to be able to see him, but at the other hand, if he if he struggles a little bit, then that's going to be the narrative for him the entire summer, where it's just like, wow, you know, he he got he he got owned by by Fultz, or he you know he looked he he played some no name D D leaguers or G leaguers now, yeah, G leaguers, and and uh, just didn't look like he belonged, and that will be the, and that will run the storyline. So it's 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 high risk for his reputation now. But I, what I do do think is going to be really awesome is the Utah Jazz are actually going to get a, a, a preview of what it will look like with him and Donovan Mitchell 
in oh, that backcourt yes. together. And so oh. this is going to be one of those things that they keep on the back of their mind if Gordon Hayward leaves. And they're like, okay, well, remember during Summer League and it wasn't that fun. And we, we were able to get some, get some things going. So, but this, this, this uh, Summer League roster, you have Dante Exum at the point. You have Donovan Mitchell at shooting guard. You have uh, whoever is at small forward. Uh, you have Ball and Boy at power forward, and then you have Bradley, <laughs> That's right. Bradley at center. This, this, my friends, this is like, you know what? I, I think to myself, with team, with teams, with Utah Jazz building a super team like this, it just doesn't make the summer league that fun to watch anymore. It just, <laughs> it, like, I'm going to probably stop watching. Like, I, 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 I it, it's good basketball. I'll admit it's good basketball, but team shouldn't be able to build super teams like this anymore in summer league i know well my big question is do dennis Lindsay and danny Ainge get in a fist fight in the tunnel at some point and then does 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 uh gordon hayward run out and boys 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 yeah <laughs> I, so I that's an interesting intriguing storyline at the same time that that free agency is going on Boston Celtics are going to be playing. Their summer league team is going to be playing in Utah. That is so intriguing. That is oh, that's that fascinating. It, they'll they'll both be there. They're both uh, hoping that their prospects look good to to Gordon. I mean, there's no pressure, Dante, but Gordon's going to be watching. Yes. It's going to be July third. You know, Jazz will be in the midst of talks for free agency starting July first. And, uh, the, yeah, the, so they're going to be, they could be announcing like it, it, we could be, you could be like watching the game and be reading a tweet from Woj seeing that, that Gordon Hayward signed with the Boston Celtics. It could ruin or make the day in like, yeah. Uh, like if you see, if you see Danny, like if you see like Dennis Lindsay, like taking a bat to the locker room, you just know he's just like tearing down Gordon Hayward's locker. I took you to the hospital with your food poisoning. Cause exactly. you, because somehow you went to Zupas. Yeah, you went to actually. It was it Zupas? Like I know it's like this is like the biggest thing, like Sandwich Gate. Like where did he go? And why was it so necessary? Like what? Like you were you were so wealthy. You need to have somebody who like eats your food and tests it every single time. You, you, you were so wealthy. You should not get food poisoning. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, Gordon Hayward. I mean, a quick plug. I will be. I'll, I'll be your taste tester. I will. I will oh, test yeah. it. I, I to ensure your safety. I I would also do that. Um, uh, I, I can will, also I will only possibly... take sixty thousand dollars a year. That if, <laughs> if you think about it, that's only. I mean, that's that's less than a percent of a percent of whatever you're going to make on your next contract. Think about it. Good investment. Well, I, I'm I'm sure he pays sixty thousand a year in pay to play video games on his cell phone. So right, right. I know. I will I will get your Candy Crush score up. I will, I will, I will be your Marvel fighter. Whatever you need me to do, I will get your score. Fantastic. So my prediction for summer league, maybe we can do that. So uh, my prediction for summer league is Donovan Mitchell comes out, and everyone's going to be watching Dante. And I think actually Dante will be fine from the workouts we're seeing. I think Dante's going to go out and just go to the rim like a like a monster. But I think Donovan Mitchell hits five threes in his first summer league game. I think he just plays off Dante, gets those shots. That's my prediction. It's, I'm a homer. I, th- I think it's going to be. That's what I'm thinking. I, he just has a has a has a feel of, of of Damian Lillard as a as a guy who is going to really. 
Now, is he going to be a star like Damian Lillard? I don't think so, but I do think he's going to be a solid starter and be one of those guys where they'll look back and be like, wow, we we, we really let, let one uh, go through our, our fingers there. So it'll be, it'll be, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Well, great. Well, I don't have anything else to cover. Yeah. Is something else you want to talk about? No, it's, I, I think we covered it. So, Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the SLC punks podcast. Uh, and, uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side next week. Yeah. And guys, remember, we're on iTunes now, so give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Give us a review on iTunes. Check us out at slcdunk.com. Follow us at Twitter at slcdunk. Follow us on Instagram at slcdunk. And check us out on Facebook, slcdunk. They're all named SLC Dunk because we're SLC Dunk. So just search for it. Exactly. All right. Talk to you later, Michael. Peace.